could always use the TARDIS to go back. Arrive an hour after you guys. Change the timeline. Then we'd have more time together. So Adam, before we get into our review of the New Year's special, we have some rumors to talk about. Some unconfirmed rumors are always fun. <laughs> yeah, depending on your definition of fun, um, and de- depending on your understanding of how the Beebs rolls forward with Doctor Who, <laughs> like uh, we have some we have some rumors to talk about. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, this seems like okay. So this wasn't just some random, or maybe it started this way. But sometimes these rumors come out and you just kind of shrug them off. Because they've been talking about Jodie Whittaker leaving Doctor Who for a while now. You know, there oh, yeah. Were, was, there were rumors after her first season that she wasn't coming back for a second season. Exactly. So, but this feels a little more legit just because a lot of outlets are reporting this. Um, it seems like there is some somewhat credible maybe inside information. And she this she will have done three seasons, which is typically... What this you know new who does is they do three seasons with the doctor and then they move on. So, kind of makes sense, right? I mean, you take a look at the the surrounding uh, facts of what's going on. You have two companions just leaving. Spoiler: We're going to talk about that here soon. Um, you have three seasons under the belt, which is pretty much the way that it seems to go. Like you mentioned in New Who, um, and then. You kind of extrapolate from there. We kind of already, I don't know. I feel like we've mentioned it a couple times. Is she going to be a three and done? Um, but then you have the quote unquote insider information coming out saying that, hey, actually at the end of three seasons, her final season being that eight episode season that we've talked about last time, she's done. She's out. She's walking away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why they would break form and keep her longer than that. You know, it's not like I like her, but it's not like she has been the most popular doctor. You know, it's not like a, maybe a Matt Smith type situation or a David Tennant type situation where maybe you want to keep him around longer because that's kind of what the audience wants. That's, you know, the ratings are high. I mean, she's had a rough go with it. Um, some people have really embraced her. She hasn't been overly popular, though, I think, as the Doctor. And the ratings have been down. So, you know, I could see them just kind of be like, all right, you know, we had her our three seasons with her. Um, and she's probably maybe even herself ready to move on and kind of do some new things. Yeah, I think in an article I was reading about this, she mentioned very early on in her run as the Doctor that she personally was feeling a lot of pressure. Um, being the first female to to hold a role as the doctor, um, she felt like she was representing more than just Doctor Who. Um, the, the role was bigger than what we might have seen it as being. So I can totally understand if after three seasons, the pressure mounts um, and you're ready to step away. It has seemed like up to this point, 
Um, it was really her job, <laughs> whether she wanted to continue with it or not. It was really her decision, right? We've never heard a lick of bad press about her, the relationship between her and Chibnall. Um, it seems like everything has always been very positive. Um, so it is, it is surprising in that respect because it's, it's not like they're, there have been these signs. There haven't been any signals leading up to this point that um, anything would push her out of the role. It really is just her stepping away from the role. Right, yeah. So I feel like if I had to put put a bet on this, that this probably is true, that she's got, you know, this last season, and then, you know, we'll be getting a new Doctor announcement. I know you and I were talking about this, kind of the timing of everything, Kind of like, oh, how how early did we hear about Jodie Whittaker? Because we, the one thing we do know about Doctor Who is they're not shy on announcing who the next Doctor is. Like, it's not going to be a surprise. It's not like we're going to watch her final episode and see the regeneration and be surprised by who the actor is. We're going to know months, if not a year ahead of time. I think last time it was, um, was it over a year? Yeah, it. it- Pretty much was. We found out about it in July of 2017. Um, The regeneration started that Christmas special with Twice Upon a Time and Capaldi. Um, But we we didn't see her as the new doctor until I think it was around October. So we went from July 2017 until October 2018 when she finally played her first episode as the doctor. So more than a year. Her first 1. full 5 episode. Years. We got to, we got a glimpse of her at the end of the Christmas special, but but yeah, first full episode of her as the Doctor would have been more than a year later. Yeah. So, and if there's a similar break in time, I could see them kind of doing a similar pattern with this one, where, you know, Whitaker runs up to the end of her season, and then they announce the next Doctor, and then whatever the special is uh, when she regenerates is when we'll see you know, kind of the regeneration of, of whoever that actor is. Yeah. I, I'm curious how they're going to, how they're going to have it play out again. Her third season, uh, the next season up is going to be eight episodes long. That's already been confirmed because of filming and COVID and all that, all that's going on right now, eight episodes. So are we going to see it at the end of those eight episodes? Do those eight episodes include a special? Are we going to get another New Year's Day special? And then the regeneration happens then. Um, When are we actually going to see all of this transpire? Uh, But I think we can all rest assured we will know exactly who it's going to be and when it's going to happen quite a long time ahead of time before we actually witness it on the screen. Yeah, they're gonna want to hype the new the new person. Um, any guesses on kind of which direction they're gonna go with this, or should we not not breach this topic? I, it is one of my favorite topics to talk about in regards to the rumors of who it could be or speculating of who we want it to be. Um, it's funny because already already there are um, articles, there are posts about who who could it possibly be. Um, a lot of them, we've seen these names mentioned before, uh, I think prior to even Whitaker taking the role. So like uh, Michael Sheen, right? Someone who's not uh, unfamiliar to Doctor Who. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she has 
become a fairly big name with Fleabag, Fleabag here recently. Um, she's won an award, if not more than just one award. I have a hard time thinking that she would step into the role. Um, but with Ben Winshaw uh, and then a couple other names floating out there, none of them seem like they would be reality based on what we've seen just with recent castings. But who knows? Maybe Maybe we can have fun with it. Yeah, I think these like odds kind of things, they just list out these. And a lot of times, like you said, it's the same names that we see kind of pop up. Um, and they tend to not really get it. You know, I don't think, I don't know, I'm trying to remember. I guess Capaldi was kind of predicted, but I think some people had been tipped off. So I, that yeah. typically is, if they end up being right, it's probably because somebody knew it and not necessarily because they guessed it right. Uh, I think they're going to stay with if, with the doctor being female. Um, at least for this next re- regeneration, that's my guess. Um, beyond that, I have no other guesses <laughs> until we have maybe a little bit more information. But I, I do think that they're gonna s- the stick with a female doctor for a bit. I, if if I want to look back at the past recent series and take the master as our bellwether to who the doctor will be, um, we had Missy followed by Jody. Now we have. Um, the new crazy master, and I, I forget the actor that played him. I forget his name right off the bat. But I think that we go back to a uh, man playing the role of the doctor um, and probably a person of color, if not a black doctor. Um, that is that is my that is my hunch of where we would see the next casting go. I'll probably be wrong and I'll be <laughs> fine with that. But we're just going to start I, watching what the master is and then kind of say, OK, well, that's what the next doctor is. I, I think I think they test the waters with the master here recently and then they go <laughs> that route, depending on what the uh, what the reaction is. I got to know, though, how do you feel? How do you feel if the rumors end up playing out as they are? And Jody walks away. Jody Whitaker walks away from the role of the Doctor after her third third season. How do you feel about that? I'm fine with it, just because, like I said, that's kind of the pattern, and I like her just fine. I don't know that she ranks high on my favorite Doctors, but I like her. I like watching her as the Doctor, and I think there's a lot of potential for her to be even better as the Doctor. But, you know, three seasons is enough for any Doctor, I think. And I love the regeneration stuff. I like, I just love, that's one of my favorite things about Doctor Who, is the fact that it does change. Yeah. And so I'm excited about the hype around who the next one's going to be and kind of what that means for companions, because we know typically, you know, there may be a carryover companion that does happen, but usually that carryover companion just sticks around for maybe a season or a half a season, and then they they introduce new people. So... Yeah, and Chibnall, you know, I think he will probably still be around. So, you know, we'll see. I think, I guess that would be another guess I would make that it's probably going to be someone that he's worked with in the past because he's done, you know, some pretty notable television shows in the UK. Um, and I th- and he did have a series, you know, obviously with Broadchurch and Jodie Whittaker played a big role in Broadchurch. So I wonder if we'll see another familiar face that he's he's worked with in one of those shows. That would be that would be an interesting thing to look at is to go through Chibnall's uh, I don't know everybody that Chibnall has worked with over the course of his career and see if there's anybody that would fit the bill that stands out. I mean he's or worked with up... a lot and he's worked with a lot of really notable you know people. 
So, um, and a lot who have already been in Doctor Who in some way. So, yeah, but it would be fun to maybe look at, maybe not everything he's ever done, but kind of the more notable things he's done recently. Yeah. And just kind of see, okay, what are those names that maybe rise to the top? It would be it would be interesting to see because we know from the from the very first um, episode that relationship between Whitaker and Chibnall was touted as being just he enjoyed working with her and she enjoyed working with him. So it does seem like that relationship um, it is fairly important for Chib- Chibnall as the showrunner. Right. Um, I'll give you a wish though. Yeah, give a it to wish. Me. Because one thing that Mandalorian has taught me is that sometimes wishes come true when it comes to fan <laughs> stuff. Uh, so shout out to all you Boba Fett haters. But um, I think that I would love to see them kind of play off of when they had um, when they had the Doctor kind of playing the role of the care not the caretaker the um, what was the I'm forgetting now at the museum the curator curator. Right? Yeah, when he said something about revisiting familiar faces, and they've kind of already played around with this with Capaldi, you know, having previously played a character in an episode with Tennant, uh, I would love for them to actually have a previous Doctor come back and be the Doctor again. Who? Someone like Who? a Paul McGann, somebody like a Chris Eccleston. I think that would be really cool to have like a huge, like, that would be huge. You know, if they brought back somebody like that, especially somebody like Paul McGann, who didn't really get his fair shot at playing the Doctor, where you kind of bring that back in the 14th regeneration of the Doctor is revisiting an old face. See, that would that would be interesting. I think McGann would be the only one that I would be down with or the one that I the, the only one that I think would be or the one that I think would be most likely to fulfill that dream. Um, Smith just signed up for a, for the, um, game of Thrones prequel, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah he's, so I think he's, 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 he's out tenant. I think tenant's pretty darn happy doing what tenant is doing. Yeah. And um, I think that, yeah, right. There's certain people wouldn't work and it's too soon kind of thing. Yeah. But I do think that Paul McGann fits the bill because it's, he was the doctor long enough ago, um, that it, people would be kind of excited about him returning and it's definitely not too soon. And he only ever played the Doctor in that kind of made-for-TV movie that really wasn't that popular. He's kind of been, had this cult following as the Doctor, uh, mostly because of his audio work. But he never really got his shot. And when he did come back to play the Doctor in that little short, um, what was that called? Night of the Doctor? Yep. That was... Uh, people really got excited about that. And he was awesome in that. So how cool would that be if they brought you know, someone like him back to play, to get his like run as the doctor. So So that's my wish. I don't think it's going to happen. It's probably like a 0.001% chance of that happening, but that's my wish. (laughs) So, so here's something that'd be interesting. So if McCann came back, okay, he is currently 61 years old. He Hmm. would be three years older than Capaldi was when Capaldi was the oldest doctor and left the show. Um, so he would officially be the oldest doctor that we had starting for Doctor Who. Um, Which is crazy because he doesn't he look pretty darn good I think still. He, I think he colors his hair or something. He does not look that old. Um, no. And maybe just because we really haven't seen him do a lot. 
But because it's been a while, I guess, since he did that, you know, where he returned as the doctor in that clip. What was that? Was you know, how long has it been since the 50th anniversary? We were talking about this before. That's like seven years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's older now, so I haven't really seen him recently and kind of what he looks like. But yeah, sure. I don't I don't think that's an issue as far as him looking older. Um, I think that'd be kind of cool. So, yeah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. Not going to happen. But so, yeah, that's the that's kind of the rumor going around right now is about Jody Whitaker leaving. Probably true. Probably. Yeah, probably true. But we'll um, see. Uh, we'll wait until we get official kind of a confirmation to really, to really, uh, you know, dig into it maybe with some more speculation around it. Or, you know, as time passes, you'll start to hear a little bit more as far as rumors of who might fill the role and all of that. Yeah, and I feel like once we get official confirmation, it might be fun to dive in and. I don't know. It, it probably is sacrilegious to do this, but think of or try to discuss where Whitaker's stories, not Whitaker as a doctor, um, but where the storyline, where her stories fit um, weighed against the other stories that the other doctors had. Um, I don't know. I've, I'm holding out to see what happens in her third series. Um but it they're they're gonna have to do something pretty fantastic, uh, in my opinion, to make her go of the doctor stand up to what some of the other doctors got to experience. Yeah, they they would. They really have to kind of ramp it up, I think, in those last eight episodes. Absolutely. So we are gonna be talking about Revolution of the Daleks, which is a New <laughs> Year's special. Yeah, not not revelation, not resolution. We're talking about the revolution of revolution. Which, let me just say something here, because I don't know that I said this before. Maybe I did. I I don't like the fact that they don't do Christmas specials anymore. It actually (laughs) bothers me that you don't like Daleks. I was gonna say, Aaron, you say this every time. No, no, no. That's that's coming later. Uh, We'll discuss that later. But no, the Christmas. So I did in my my break. You know, whatever break I can actually take. I, you know, I did find myself watching the old Doctor Who Christmas specials. Kind of like just would put it up on the TV while I was doing other stuff. But it was like my, a lot of, you know how part of a Christmas tradition sometimes is you watch Christmas movies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So for me and my wife, we we didn't watch a lot of Christmas movies, but we watched a lot of Doctor Who Christmas specials. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that, and not all of the Doctor Who Christmas specials were super Christmassy. Right. But most of them had some element, um, and some were a little bit more heavy-handed than others. Like you know, obviously when you have Santa Claus in an episode, um, <laughs> but it was just cool. Like it was fun, and it felt like a holiday special. Whereas the New Year's specials don't feel like anything. It's just like okay, it happens to be New Year's, and they mention that it's New Year's, but there's nothing like going on. You don't see any decorations. You don't. There's no Christmas characters. There's not like snowfall. I don't know. It just feels. It feels like it's not really a special. It just feels like another episode of Doctor Who. I I a hundred percent agree. Uh, I mean, this is this is the only only the second New Year's Day special that we received, right? Like this hasn't been happening all that often. This is only the second one, um, and yet there does seem to be a gaping hole that is left by not having a Christmas special. Um, I think. I think practically speaking, it's probably harder to come up with a story for the Christmas special. Um, some, I mean, for a lot of the Christmas specials that we got, they 
they were just put in there as part of a singular in a nutshell story, right? They weren't a continuation of much though. I think Capaldi might've had a continuation of a story or at least it played into the story yeah. moving forward with the dream crabs. Right. Um, yeah, there definitely was, you know, even uh tenant, you know, his, I think his first episode was a Christmas special. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's definitely some of them that have a bigger, they fit bigger into the, the overall narrative and other ones feel like standalones, but still there's always that kind of holiday special feel where there's even, I had forgotten about the, the next doctor special that Tennant did. I had forgotten that was a Christmas special. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I I watched like all of them. (laughs) They never felt shoehorned though. Right. Like they, they didn't feel like they were forced this. I don't know. This to me just, feels like an excuse to have an extra episode that you can do whatever you want with. Um, I don't know. I'm not a fan. I mean, I like the, I like the format. I like that. It was almost two hours. That was cool. That's like, I don't know what the longest doctor who episode that we've ever gotten is. I don't keep track, but this feels like one of the, on the high end of the longer episodes that we've ever gotten. Oh yeah. By, by far. Um, I would say, but this one was directed by uh, Lee Haven Jones. And do you know what else he directed? I do not. Doctor Who? Because I wasn't sure if he had it. You know, I'm, I'm not one to remember. There's certain directors that do stand out to me. But I'm not one to kind of remember everybody's, you know, kind of list of what they've done. So when I saw his name pop up, I looked it up. And he had he did Spyfall Part 2. Okay. Which okay. I think both okay. of us were kind of thumbs up on, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. And then he also did Orphan 55. Ooh, womp womp. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Was, so um, so he had, a, he had a hit. He had a miss, in my opinion. Uh, so we'll see if we think this was a hit or a miss. But <laughs> He came into the episode 50-50. He was, yeah, he was, hitting, he was hitting 500, as they say. But it was written, of course, by Chris Chibnall, which, you know, he's, he's got quite a list that we're not going to go down all the ones that he's written. So they started off with a with a Star Wars reference, kind of, which I thought was they did. Long they time did. ago, far far away. They didn't far, they far didn't away. do the full in a galaxy far far away, but they did say far far away. Yep they they pulled that out right right at the very beginning, which was I don't know did that did that bode well for you? I thought it was kind of weird, honestly. I just saw it pop up. I'm like, oh okay, that's interesting. <laughs> um, but I smiled just because, you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan, so I did smile. You'll take it. They got that out of me. Um, and it this felt like, you know, kind of how this one starts. It really was a direct continuation or sequel to last year's New Year's special. Uh, with them kind of re-doing that flashback, you know, sequence where they, they blow the Dalek up in the office building or whatever. And... And I was like, oh, okay, like, maybe I should have rewatched that right before watching this because I didn't realize it was going to be a direct continuation. Yeah, I mean, we there was some speculation, right, just because of similarity in naming, both regarding Daleks, um, but being such a year removed, um, definitely was not expecting it to be such a closely tied together episode um but yeah sure enough it picks up pretty much where that episode 
ended burnout casing of the Dalek, the transportation, the transporting of that Dalek in some backdoor backhanded deals by everybody's favorite character. Um, good old Jack Robertson. <laughs> right. Did not think we would see him back. Maybe not this soon. He did feel like you know, when they did the spider episode with him, especially since he's such a notable actor, I kind of thought, okay, it's a one-off appearance of this really cheesy character. The fact that they brought him back, and not only did they bring him back, but they brought him back into a, a special, a really long special. He was a big part of this. Yeah, I want to know what type of relationship he has with Chibnall that he would be that he would be in two episodes and like you said, so prominently featured in a special um where we had the return of Captain Jack um paired with the return of Jack Robertson. Right. And we and this is a theme that comes up, but we talk about how the doctor it has to share too much screen time with all these other characters. And so for this to be, you know, and I don't even think we have to say spoiler alert anymore because this is just all over the place. But the fact that this was the last episode for Graham and Ryan. So they have to get their moments. And then you also now have Robertson coming back, who is kind of a notable actor and kind of, you know, this prominent character that takes up a lot of screen time. And then you bring Captain Jack back, who just begs to be on screen. Once again... The doctor feels like she's not the main character. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it's interesting that this is happening in one of the longer episodes of Doctor Who that we've gotten, at least in recent memory. Um, and yet you still walk away from this extended episode feeling like, where was the doctor? Like, what what was actually accomplished? Everything seemed very rushed. It didn't seem like we got to focus on anything of value or worth for an extended period of time. I think the only time where it felt like the pacing slowed down um, to the point where you might have started to get that, that sense of emotion that I wanted to expect knowing what was happening in the episode is when the doctor sat down with, um, with Ryan. But even then, even then something felt slightly askew. Um, but yeah, so much, so many people, so many personalities um, within a single episode. Um, it kind of just plays into what we've come to expect with the, this iteration of the doctor. Right. It's just, it's par for the course. Yeah. And I don't think there, I don't think Chibnall necessarily thinks that's a problem because he continues to do it. So I think that's just his version of the show where the doctor doesn't necessarily have to be kind of the central focus all the time, that he doesn't mind that there's all this shared screen time and not even shared screen time. It's not like we're counting up the minutes that each person was on screen, but just like the focus doesn't necessarily right. seem to be on her a lot of times. Uh, yeah. And this, and this episode definitely highlighted it. I feel like, I feel like we've mentioned it before. Um, and it's something that's called out constantly is Chibnall's um, adherence to the classics, right? He loves classic who um, this is like very much first doctor format though, right? Uh, where the focus is on the companions and the doctor's kind of a side character who comes in at the right moments, but then for virtually the rest of the episode, they are backstage or um, stage left. They aren't 
center focus of the episode that really feels like some of what some of these episodes are, especially in this special. And we've seen it with pretty much every iteration of the Doctor in the modern series has had their moment to kind of step aside. You know, Amy and Rory, I think, were probably a really good example of how they felt like really big characters and had a lot of focus on them and their relationship and sometimes would take the spotlight away from the Doctor. But when you talk about the first Doctor, he he did feel like a side character, whereas... Um, the other, the companions were almost felt like the main characters. Whereas I think with this, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't say Jodie Whittaker feels like a side character or that she's backstage to them. I think they kind of all just feel like they're on equal ground. That's kind of how I, that's how I perceive it. There's even the way Ryan was talking to her and he was like cheering her up and almost lecturing her a little bit. And I was trying to, and I think we got that a little bit with Clara. She kind of would do that. But really, you never, it was never really that way. The doctor always felt like the dominant character, you know, in the room. He was the one that everyone was looking to when things were going wrong. He was the one that was there to fix fix things, save the day. Uh, Jodie Whittaker doesn't give off that aura. You know, no. for lack of a better way of saying it. <laughs> and it, I'm that is one thing that I walked away from this episode with is that feeling of like, in a sense, the doctor feels helpless. And right. that's not what I want from the doctor. And that's not what I want from Whitaker's doctor. Um, but even even to the to the like you mentioned with the relationship between Capaldi and Clara, like there was that sense of the doctor was still finding himself, but you never felt like the doctor wasn't capable or needed someone to basically encourage them to keep going. Um, In this episode alone, we had the doctor needing to be rescued because the doctor was hopelessly locked in prison for a very long time um, and seemed like they like she had just resigned herself to being there. Um, had to be rescued from that. And then you had her so down in the dumps that she didn't know who she was. And she was asking the question again of who am I? I don't even know who I am. And Ryan had to basically step in and say, you're the doctor and that's who you always have been. And that's not going to change moving forward. Um, there was just really interesting dynamics in here where it seemed like it, it, in a way, the doctor wasn't the doctor, or at least the doctor wasn't the doctor that we've come to expect. Even the part where she was kind of revealing to Ryan what had happened on Gallifrey, because you kind of forget that they all left. They yeah. didn't really see all that. So they don't know all this stuff about the timeless child and, and her learning about her true history, if the master is to be believed, I guess. But we, I think <laughs> I think we all think this is probably the true history now, right? Uh, so when she tells Ryan that and he says, well, how did it make you feel? And she said, angry. I didn't believe her. She didn't look yeah. angry. She didn't know she wasn't giving off that feeling that she was really angry and she was going to do something about it. She just still looked really lost. Right. She, she looked defeated, right? We've, we've gotten anger from tenant. We've gotten anger. Well, we've gotten anger from Eccleston, tenant, Smith, Capaldi, all of them displayed anger in their own ways. I have a hard time accepting that 
what has been said is anger from Capaldi or from Whitaker's doctor is really anger. It came across as defeat. It came across as really not knowing who she is or where to go from there. And maybe that's what it's supposed to be. Maybe that's a huge setup for the next season, the next series. Um, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping something fantastic happens. Not saying that her story's been without those moments, um, but we we still don't have like the Doctor Victorious um, in these moments. Yeah, and maybe we're just maybe we're just kind of expecting that the Doctor is always going to kind of have that trait, and this version of the Doctor just doesn't. And that's you know I guess not all Doctors have to to have that trait you know maybe the doctor didn't want to be that kind of angry character that take charge character this time around uh so yeah i i and and maybe maybe it's just a product of the time that i'm in right now um i i want that hero though you know what i mean like i want to sit down at a show and like watch the 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 struggle but the triumph and I feel like that's what I was, what I'm missing is like that true sense of the clever doctor that puzzles their way out of an issue and comes out triumphant, smiling and laughing in the face of conflict and um, fear, right? Like that's, that's what I'm wanting. I want that, I want that conflict, but I want that triumph. Um, yeah. But the bad thing about Doctor Who, and especially with only eight episodes left, is you t- you typically get those moments before the end of their run because the end of a run of a doctor is being defeated they have to die oh yeah absolutely so she's going to be defeated at the end so if we want to see this triumph it's got to happen you know early in the season and not necessarily late in the season i guess yeah yeah it's uh, it's going it, it's going to be interesting but but that's oh sorry Let's get back to the episode. We're, we're just bashing uh, Jodie Whittaker's version of the Doctor as opposed to reviewing <laughs> this episode, apparently. We're not bashing her. I'm not yeah. bashing her. I, I love... I, Whittaker has done incredibly well with what she's been given. But the fact that I can step back and I can be like, I have no idea where this is going. And I really have no idea what's been developed up to this point. I'm kind of at a loss, you know? Like, sophomore season. Sophomore series is done we have one more series left and I'm still not sure what the story is for this doctor. So what are the chances that the next doctor is the fugitive doctor? Who now, if that got served to us, I would not be expecting it. And I think that'd be a huge payoff. Hmm. They'd have to, I feel like they'd have to do some explainy timey whiny explainy how that works, that she's the next version, but cause it does seem like everything points to her being an earlier version. Oh yeah, but. absolutely. It would make no sense whatsoever unless they do, took like a a slight parenthetical adventure with a different doctor um, before returning to Jodie Whittaker's regeneration, which might be an interesting way to approach the story. Hey, nobody said this has the show has to be linear. Up to this point, it has been, but they could always jump back and follow the adventures of a previous doctor that we've never seen oh. before. Oh, Aaron, now that they've opened up that worm, that can of worms. <laughs> um. So let's talk about let's talk about the episode. Yeah. There were some fun moments when she was in prison though. I like the fact that she walked into the kind of shared area. Um and there were all these other, you know, prisoners there. And there's like a, a weeping angel that she called Angela. There was the Pating was there. Yep. 
there were a couple uh, Ood, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, I think. And Bonnie was the Ood, and then I guess I thought it was a second Ood, but everything I've seen afterwards, it was a Sycorax oh. named Clyde. Oh, I thought they were both Ood. I guess I'd take a better look at that. I, I have to say, anytime we see a Pating show up, I mean, anytime you get Stitch in an episode, is pretty solid. Um, he he got we got to see him and we got a mention of him later on when, yeah. when Ryan was kind of going down the list of what him and Graham had accomplished. He talked about the mighty Pating. So the the silence, not the silence. Yeah. Well, we no. did get a silence the second time she went to that area. Yes. I, she I was forget. like, oh, I forgot Sorry. you were here. <laughs> <laughs> That that was a solid callback. I did enjoy that. Um, yeah, there were there were some cool cool characters, creatures, past villains, monsters thrown into that jail cell with her um, in the exercise area. I guess as she walked in walked in a square. Um, that was a pretty fun moment. To, I thought that whole that prison actually was really well designed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because we've all seen every version of, of what a prison can look like. I thought this was a really unique way of presenting it where there were these kind of like, you know, there was this very specific routine that she had to follow. Yeah. You know, with these lights that would light up and okay, now it's time to walk over here. Now it's time to lay down. Now it's time to sleep. You know, I thought that was actually pretty cool. I, I liked the design. I thought it looked really cool, really cool. Um, which then led to, it led to the appearance of, of Captain Jack you know, showing up. Yeah. We, we didn't, I didn't count up the tick marks, but oh, yeah, I, I gave up after I saw that it covered multiple walls, but Jack shows up and says that it took him 19 years to get into the cell next to her, which was our first tip off of how long she had been there. We know that she'd been there at least 19 years. Uh, but then later on, she says, um, a few decades, which yeah. then implies she was there for at least, I would say 30 years is I, I typically think a few means at least three. So Yeah, I, I agree. So yeah, so I'm thinking, oh, okay, she was there for 30 years. I know I had said that I hope they don't do the whole thing where they say, oh, she was there for like <laughs> a thousand years. 30 is okay. I can live with 30, although it still seems like a long time for her to be there. We, we didn't have to put up out. with a montage of her making every mark on the wall, so we can let it we can let it pass. Right, right. Um, she did. I, I like the bedtime story that she told to herself. And she called it one of the classics, and then she starts reading the the first chapter of Harry Potter and a Sorcerer's Stone. That that did get me to audibly chuckle out loud. Um, I'm still trying to figure out though, 19 years for Captain Jack to be locked away. That's that's pretty impressive dedication there. Well, he said okay. I didn't take it that way, but I guess I could. I guess I could see what you're saying. Because when How he did said you it, take it. I took it as it took him 19 years to figure out how to get into the cell next to her, meaning that it could have been any, you know, it wasn't necessarily mean that he was at that prison or at in, in any prison for 19 years, just that that's how long it took him to figure out how to get into there. Okay, okay. I, I took the whole idea of him waiting 19 years for the cell rotation to place him next to her, uh, <laughs> meaning that he had been waiting. He'd been going in a rotation around the prison for 19 years before he finally ended up in the cell next to hers. Yeah. Well, so here's a sticking point for me on this. And because we're talking about how long she was there. And then she comes back. And we're going to kind of breeze past like how her and Jack got out there with like the escape ball or whatever he called it. Um, but if you want to jump back to that, we can later. But 
she comes back. She shows up to her her companions, the fam. They've been waiting for her. Yaz is all upset. Everyone seems upset. Maybe Graham doesn't seem that upset. But Ryan and Yaz both seem upset. But Yaz is more upset. And they're so mad at her for, like, how dare she? How dare she take 10 months to come back? And I'm thinking, get over yourself. You know how long Rory waited, you know, for Amy? Do you know how long the doctor was in there for 30 years? You can't wait 10 months. <laughs> like, shut up. I felt like they, they it just, that annoyed me so much. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm right there with you. Like, the the way that Ryan was very apathetic to her, where it didn't seem like he cared one way or another. He was indifferent to the fact that she reappeared. Um, he was angry, but indifferent. Yes was angry and very active with her anger, but it is one of those things where it's like, it's, it's been 10 months. Like you would probably be happy to see her and not just blow her off like that. Um, Amy had to wait until she became an adult <laughs> till raggedy man came back. Like, not only that, but they, she also has an episode where she ages to like the age of sixty or seventy, and she's armed herself with robot parts. Right. Um, it's a, it's happened a lot yeah. in Doctor Who. The the whole idea of these of different people either waiting for the Doctor or the Doctor being stuck somewhere for a long time, and so for these characters to be so upset over ten months, it was almost laughable. But it was a part of the sh- it was part of the plot of the story. Like it wasn't a joke. Yeah. It was actually I, an emotional. Uh, element to the story that Yaz felt like she had lost the doctor and and Ryan was just so pouty about it that basically it led to him leaving the TARDIS yeah just like wow guys okay let's put this into perspective it actually made me dislike those characters a little bit more I you know because I have positive feelings toward all three companions but this this uh episode you know took it knocked that down a little bit for me oh yeah I absolutely agree like like you said, going into this episode, there was positive feelings towards each of the companions. Yes, I really enjoyed where aspects of her story had gone up to this point. Ryan, I feel like he's really, he, in a way, he's really developed as a character throughout the show. Graham has always been Graham, um, and he is just likable all the way around. But seeing their response to this, um, it, it did it did more damage to them as characters than I think it helped with the plot of this episode, because any, any aspect that it added to the plot of the episode or helped the story move forward, it it wasn't worth how it cast the light on these companions. Um, And Yaz. Yeah, go for it. Yaz, she's, she's starting to seem, um, She's got this obsession, obviously. They're they're making it very clear that she has this obsession with traveling with the doctor or being near the doctor. Um it kind of reminds me of the way Martha got for a while. And I never really liked Martha that much because that's one element I didn't like about her. I like it when people they all obviously love to travel with the doctor and but when they start to get to the point of feeling like possession of the doctor or like um some sort of a, a like a obsession that's when i start to not like the character as much and yaz is there like she is absolutely obsessed with with the doctor and 
you know, she's the companion moving forward. So I don't know if that's just going to play into, you know, some future storyline that they already have planned. And that's why they're portraying her that way. But it's kind of like, oh, man, like I kind of didn't I don't like seeing her that way. Yeah, I I again, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, but there to me, there's something there's something different about the way that Yaz is approaching it. Really, with Martha, there was I don't know if I would say an obsession. I would say more of a very deep admiration for the doctor, um, potentially a longing to be with the doctor on a consistent basis with Yaz. There seems to be some I don't know. There seems to be some deeper harmful attachment i don't know she just doesn't like an unhealthy seem to be, yeah kind of there's something unhealthy it. about a it dependency it's not, even yeah yeah like like she will not be okay unless she's with the doctor which maybe maybe that's a callback to some of her story that they shared in the previous series maybe there is something there that she has finally found that acceptance or fulfillment that she hasn't had previously um, and any other relationship. And she feels like she has that acceptance with the doctor. Um, but there, there, there does seem to be something deeper there that I don't know if I necessarily, it kind of, se- it, it seems like it came out of the blue in this episode where it, it might've been referenced earlier, but not like this, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And they're absolutely setting this up for something. This is a very, yeah. you know, I, I, this is a purposeful portrayal with this character that it, it's going to lead to something that's going to happen in the future with her. I think uh, they're already kind of foreshadowing her fear of being left behind by the doctor. Uh, at the end of the ep- toward the end of the episode, the doctor says something about, "Have I ever let you down?" Right. And there's this kind of moment of silence because Yaz is like thinking, "Yeah, you kind of have because you left me for ten months." But <laughs> but but um, you also have that exchange between her and Captain Jack, which we saw part of it in the trailer, where Jack goes goes into great detail about being left behind by the Doctor. By one day, the Doctor just isn't there, and you have to go on without the Doctor in your life. Um, it does seem like they are setting something up for Yaz's character either to just be left behind um or maybe maybe something worse yeah and i think Yaz would probably rather die you know kind of in in service of the doctor or in companionship with the doctor than be left behind I and think i that's where I she's think at that's as a character the fact that we can say that i think that's where something about how they're portraying this character there there's something unhealthy there if we can if we can say that for the character i don't know there's there's just there's something not right there yeah and doctor who's known to you know tragically leave characters hanging you know right um you know rose the way she was separated initially from the doctor was pretty pretty abrupt and tragic and um, and Donna is the other one that kind of stands out to me where she literally lost all of her memory of ever knowing the doctor. Right. And that's something that I wonder if we'll see something similar with, with Yaz. They're setting us up for that emotional, you know, sledgehammer with her character. Cause you know, when Graham and Ryan left, I I felt I was more emotional in that scene. And I will admit I, I felt some emotion with that. I know some people said they didn't feel anything, 
I did feel emotion, but it was more feeling bad for the doctor and not necessarily feeling bad for those characters um, because you could see how much it impacted her. And Jodie Whittaker mm. just did such a great job of kind of just feeling like you just saw in her eyes that she was devastated that they were leaving. Yeah. But she was trying to, and that doesn't typically happen with the doctor. Typically people don't choose to leave the doctor, you know, um, when the doctor wants them to stay. Right. If the doctor wants them to stay, they typically stay. Right. And so this was an interesting one. It was almost like a breakup that the doctor wasn't used to. The doctor wasn't used to being dumped. And yeah. she didn't know how to take it. And she was, you know, you could see the tears in her eyes when um, when they do leave. She says, she turns right to Yaz and she's like, maybe I could go back. You know, I'll take the TARDIS. We'll go back. <laughs> we can spend some more time together. And I was like, oh, I felt so bad for her. Yeah. I I think, again, it plays right into the story, right? You have her consistently referring to the companions as fam. Maybe Maybe next iteration of the Doctor. They're just going to do away with that. They're not going to call them fam anymore because they're going to get burned by by these experiences. I hope they then, don't. I hope they retire that term with these specific three. Yeah, yeah. But then you also have her just coming off of the whole experience on Gallifrey where she, she doesn't know where she belongs. She doesn't know who she's a part of. And these were the these were the individuals that she had a connection to. She doesn't have a connection to Gallifrey anymore. That's not where she's from. But she knows that these three are her fam. Um, so to watch two of them willingly walk away. Um, I think more so watching Ryan walk away. I was emotional with Graham. Um, yeah. Just because of that relationship with Ryan. Where it's like he did want to go with the doctor. But right. he loved Ryan more than he loved the adventure. Um, and being able to watch him grow um, as a as a man, as a character. Um, yeah, yeah, when he I, said, I, felt, I forget the I exact line, but he said something like, like, you're my family. Like, I'm choosing my family. Yeah. Like, you're my family. As much as he loved right. the traveling with the Doctor, and there's so much more to see. He didn't want to miss seeing Ryan, you know, live his life, and he, and he wanted to be with his family. And that was – and it's such a cool – it's a cool progression for these characters because when they first started out, that wasn't their relationship by any means. Oh yeah. And we've seen them become closer and closer as the series has gone on. And I think that's one good thing that they, that they have done with this, this version of Dr. Who is um, they really did progress those two characters and their relationship. Uh, by the end, you, you, you believe it, you know, it's, it doesn't seem fake when Graham is saying, yeah. You know, I'm choosing you because you're my family. You absolutely believe that. Yeah, I and I didn't I didn't think of it until you just called out that line right there. But how how big of a slap in the face is that to the doctor for for Graham to be like, I'm choosing Ryan because he's my family after the doctor has just referred to them as fam for the past. Yep, there's years. a difference between fam and family. You know? Yeah, like they're her friend. You know, they're friends and somebody that she, you know he's only known her for a short period of time, but. You know, Ryan is, you know, because Ryan was blood to his, the love of his life. Yep. And he lost that person. So Ryan, in a, in a way, is the, is his connection still to Grace. So. Yeah. I think um, I'm talking about this stuff so much because this is the part of the episode that I liked. This is what I found intriguing was the character moments between these characters specifically. Um, and we've obviously, you know, proven that you could, we can spend quite a bit of time talking about just that part of the episode. 
um, <laughs> and not even talk about the Daleks. Uh, well, but we should I, probably I, talk about the Daleks. Yeah, I mean that that is that is an aspect of the story, though. I would I would argue that it it really it didn't carry much weight. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's well known. Daleks aren't my favorite. They the version of the Daleks uh, that they, you know, kind of what they do when they're outside of the armor. And I like that there was a lot of that in this episode because I that's the version of the Daleks I actually think is interesting and kind of more intimidating. Oh yeah, absolutely. By when far. they were like attacking Jack, Captain Jack, and um, Yaz in in the factory and stuff, I was like, oh man, it was like creepy. Whereas oh, yeah. when they're just rolling Squeamish. around as these tanks with plungers and stuff, they're just not. They just don't. They're just not intimidating. Oh yeah, I would. I would more likely run away from the little squid-like creature sliding, flying across the floor than I would one of those flying tanks. I. I would most likely run and scream from one of those squids. That's the best uh, thing they've done convincing. for for Daleks. Is to oh yeah, absolutely. That. Absolutely. But yeah, so so I guess like to kind of give a quick overview of what happened with the Daleks. We have the shell that was left over from the last episode, um, the resolution episode. The they're transporting it, it gets taken by Robertson's people, I'm assuming. They never really quite say that, but I think they you know, definitely implied it. Yeah, they definitely alluded to it when he said that he got the information about the transportation from someone and so he took it. He takes this. He was tipped off though by by Joe, who is the you know future uh, prime minister of England. She's got political aspirations. Uh, she tips off his group that this thing's in transit. He takes it and gives it to this scientist guy who's like got this startup company, I guess. And that guy develops it into a defense drone better for lack of a better way of describing it they're basically crowd control and that's kind of where you know where this episode starts you know kind of going down the path of you know that kid decides that he's going to clone a doc or a dalek and you know that led to bad things yeah when you find when you find little trace amounts of biological or biomatter within the shell do not grow it whatever you do do not grow it in a fish tank i felt bad for leo though um, yeah he was he was he was excited about his little pet that he created he didn't realize oh, yeah. it was like a you know species killing alien yeah but not only did he grow it he also connected it to the neural network and basically connected it to the entire world like why would you do that like, what possessed him to do that? But the most heartbreaking moment is when he calls home and tells his wife that he has to take a last-minute trip to Osaka and to kiss his kids. Like, that was a sad, sad moment. What is My it about broke. Doctor Who, though? Because this is done. This is, this is something they do a lot. They don't. They when they kill off these random characters, they always make us. They always make us care. <laughs> like they didn't have to have that phone call happen. We, I mean, Leo. No. You know, he really didn't matter that much. But then you have that phone call, and you're like, oh, he has a family. Now I feel really bad that he died. Same I thing mean, with the truck driver. They're yep. like, they just drop a random line, like, oh, how's your mom doing? And then show a picture of her in the truck. Like, and come then on. he dies. And I'm like, why do they even have to tell us that he had a mom? I don't want to what think if, about that. 
What about the security guard in the, the exactly. first That's two a, episodes yep. who's on the phone with his granddaughter before um, Tim? What What's his face? Toothface. The guy with the teeth. <laughs> just melts him. Come on. Don't make us care. Yeah, exactly. I think they do. I don't know. Maybe that's just a chip melting, but I feel like it's just a Doctor Who thing that they yeah they don't like to kill off a random character unless you know their backstory a little bit. So <laughs> well, bad. Unless you care for them. So yeah, I thought about that in this episode specifically because I'm like the two different characters that they made it a point to kind of tell us that they had an extended family. But I liked Leo. Good, you know, he had he was an interesting character. Um, sad to see him die. Good, good role player. He he fit in very well to the story. Yeah, he did. And I thought, I thought the um, the character who played, uh, what was her full name? Joe. Joe Patterson. Was it Patterson? Yeah, Joe Patterson. Um, I thought she did a good job too. She was very believable in the role that she played. Yeah, uh, absolutely. and they quickly killed her too. Like I, she, I thought maybe just because she's a bit of a more notable actor i thought maybe she would be like oh prime minister like maybe she'll be a recurring character but no they nope they killed her she didn't last long that's that is one thing i'll say about uh the past couple series with whitaker's doctor is that the, the side characters the guest stars however you want to phrase it they've definitely stepped up um we have not had the little teenagers running around the TARDIS in a while um, who, who who just wanted to be on TV and really, really shouldn't have been there. Um, we, we haven't had those types of characters. Pretty much anybody that has had any ounce of screen time has done a really good job with their opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the lack of uh, children characters in this this run of Doctor Who. There hasn't been... I'm trying to think. Has there been any notable kind of major children characters in Jodie Whittaker's run? I'm probably missing something. Yeah, no. I can't I can't think of... But any. there was a lot of that. I think with Clara, you know, she's watching those kids and the, that brother yep. and sister that were kind of hanging around. They brought in like the whole group of school kids onto the TARDIS <laughs> at one time. Uh, the young kids that were part of the ice festival... There was a yep. lot of that going on that I was just like, eh, children actors. But speaking of people getting on the TARDIS, who would have thought they would bring Jack Robertson onto the TARDIS? Yeah. How does that guy I get mean, a pass? How, I, I don't know what's worse, him stepping foot on the TARDIS or filling a separate TARDIS with Daleks. Like, which one is really worse? Yeah. So let's talk about him first. <laughs> I have, there's something I ha issue I have with the other thing, but yeah, he ca he's on the TARDIS. He has kind of a dumb reaction to it. So wh what's your kind of overall thoughts on him as a character? Cause I know some people just don't like him at all. I was reading through some of the chat on our Facebook page and you know, some people just don't like him. Do you like his character? Do you think he's the right amount of cheesy? Does he annoy you? Like, how do you feel about him? I don't know. To me, he's, he is that, um, political caricature tech bro type of individual who is like the champion of business um with not really that much um likability i i don't think he's a terrible character does he annoy me yes but that's that's who his character is supposed to be you're not supposed to like the guy the guy is supposed to be scum he is sleaze and that is exactly how chris north 
plays the character. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not itching to have him back on any other episodes. Um, the way that it ends with him basically giving an interview as a hero. Yeah. Um, and then they imply it, that he's going to maybe make another run at being president. I wonder if we'll see him in the future as the president of the United States. Oh, I, I would not be surprised if that happens in series eight. Um, he will make a return. He will be president and it will be all part of the, the, the subplot or the plot of the, of an individual episode. I don't despise the, the fact that he's included, but he's not supposed to be a likable character. Um, if anybody does like him as a character and I mean, like him, like him, not just, I'm okay with him being on the show, probably have some issues. Unless you just like him for the comedy relief, you know? Right, because exactly. He's funny. Uh, I think he, I think he's fine. I don't necessarily want to see him again, kind of like you said. But I think he's fine. Is he's a good actor? I think he does kind of do a little bit too much of a caricature type character. He seems to fit more in maybe some early Tenant Eccleston era stuff because they had some really cheesy villains. Yeah, yeah. you know, early on with those guys too. I feel like he, he doesn't fit as well in, in kind of the more modern, uh, doctor who, but yeah, he's fine. He was fine. And I think actually he pulled it off when he was on that bridge talking to the Daleks and you're just waiting. They're just going to shoot him in the face. Like I'm just waiting. Like, <laughs> this guy is just going to get shot down. There's no way these guys are buying this, uh... but somehow he talked his way onto the ship you know, and I th- actually found that kind of humorous that he was able to kind of pull one over on the Daleks and at least get kind of toward what he was trying to accomplish. And in the end, I guess he did kind of accomplish what he wanted to accomplish, but which was just survive and gain something out of it. And that's <laughs> yeah, what he got. exactly. I, I wanted, I fully expected him to be exterminated on that bridge. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I was waiting just waiting for, for his skeleton to show up and I would, I'd be totally cool with that. But the fact that it didn't happen, kind of impressive. You got to give him that. Yeah. Um, so the doctor, we have these, so the, the Daleks, they, um, take over, they start to clone themselves essentially. Um, and then they take over Leo's body. And then they already have all these pre-made Dalek shells because they've been making them to be these these drones. And so they just have to find their way inside of them. So, yep. you know, just like everybody knows, like the way that you teleport inside something is you need some ultraviolet light. <laughs> like, like that's, a, that's the same thing they did in uh. the, the last special <laughs> where the pieces were all across the world and then like ultraviolet light made them come together. It's just a weird... It's a weird solution that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I, I, I could have swore I was missing something when I was watching the episode, and they kept on being like, what's wrong with the lights? What it's, is it about the lights? The lights. Turn off the lights. <laughs> I was it, like, it's going to make them teleport. I'm totally out of the loop on this. I, I feel like I'm missing something. And then it was like, oh, oh, yeah. I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think I kind of went off on it in that review, so I won't dwell on it too much in this review. But yeah, that just that's a very convenient plot device for them to figure out a way to get them there. And the thing is, it's Doctor Who. It's sci-fi. They could have come up with a better <laughs> explanation that I would have believed. Uh, you know, just say that there was a 
prototype teleportation device that was built into whatever, you know, like have something, something that I can be like, okay, I can get behind that. But yeah, if in there's the, just in the show, light, I'm not, you know, I just don't, I can't buy into it. In the show where they just cloned a hundred million or a hundred Daleks, 200, 500 Daleks from just a little trace amount of biomatter, um, set up a entire cloning facility in Osaka, Japan, and then they liquefied all the scientists to, feel, yeah. to feed the Daleks. We take a leap from that to ultraviolet light. Like, literally, we, we just did the impossible. Just do something else. <laughs> like, the scientists also discovered teleportation. Um, right. The yeah. special Dalek powers just allowed them to do that. Like, there has to be other options. Um, but nope, ultraviolet light. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's what they're saying. They're saying that, you know, Daleks do have some kind of special biology that ultraviolet light lets them jump to new places. Hey. But that's part of their, part of what they can do now. Uh, So now the doctor knows you just don't have, you know, you turn off the lights. <laughs> just, you don't, just turn off all the lights. If you don't want them jumping around. but Turn on a black light. <laughs> so the doctor comes up with this solution that she called the, the nuclear option. Which yes. is never a good thing. Nope. Uh, that she's going to bring these other Daleks called the... She kept calling them the SAS doc, Daleks, but there was another word she used for them. Um, the Kill Squad? Death Squad, maybe? Death Squad, maybe, yeah. Something like that. But yeah, so she has this, this idea that she's going to bring these other ones in that those other ones are so... You know, they're the kind of enforcers of the Daleks so when they come across these impure Daleks they're going to kill them and then the doctor will take care of the other ones I guess once they kill all the what they were calling the Robertson Daleks so I mean it, Jack seemed really not cool with this idea but the doctors did seem to have it all under control and never her plan never really faltered yeah I it seemed all very easy and convenient like she pretended like it was a hard plan but it seemed all to work out pretty much as she thought it would yeah she shows up in the TARDIS and kind of is like hey Daleks come get me you know come inside my TARDIS <laughs> and then she you know lures them in and I guess there wasn't that many of them you know because they kind of flew in there but it wasn't like too many but um yeah, they went into her TARDIS, and then she decides to make that TARDIS kind of explode in on itself. Yeah, fold in on itself and shoot itself into the sun? No, into something else, she said. You you probably have the script there, but... Uh, the heart of the void. The void, that's the word, yeah. So so the problems I have with this, when they show her in the, the, the TARDIS, they show her open the door, and yep. you look in the background of the... The TARDIS, it's it's absolutely her TARDIS. Like you see the console, <laughs> everything. They fly into the TARDIS. They show the inside of the TARDIS, and it's now not the inside of her TARDIS anymore. It's the other one. And I was trying to decide if that was just like a production mistake that they just they should have switched out the inside, or is that just something that she had the TARDIS chameleon circuit do that until they got, came inside and then she changed it back. I just I always felt like the chameleon circuit was the outside of the TARDIS and not necessarily the inside. Yeah, I mean, changing the inside, that's that's pretty hard, right? Like, we've it seen... Seems like it had to, like, explode itself 
in the past in order to change the interior. Yeah, Smith had, had a really hard time with that. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's just a production mistake. Um, they probably didn't think that one through. Yeah, I caught it on my second. I didn't even think about it the first time I watched it, and then when I was watching it the second time, when she had the door open, and I and at that time you're like, okay, this is the fake, you know, Tardis. She's tricking them, and I'm like, wait, no wonder they fell for it. She cheated. The interior <laughs> it, it is wrong. Is her Tardis? Yeah. That's. I mean, it does go from that that goldish transition to all of a sudden a pure white Tardis on the inside. And then my other issue with it is she just killed a Tardis because we all know that Tardis are sentient, and that she has a special relationship with her TARDIS, but I guess this guy, she just didn't care about because she just let it die. Um, so don't make me care about TARDISes and then kill one. On the <laughs> not, not only did she destroy a sentient TARDIS, but it's, she just, I mean, Gallifrey's gone. Like it's, it might be the last of the TARDISes other than the one that she, she has um, other than the TARDIS TARDIS. It might be the last one. Well, she so, had she had the tree one that she left. Oh yeah, she the, left it. The, the tree is still there. We know that's somewhere. Um, and then she has hers, and then I guess this one was the house. So is yeah, that house it was the there? house because it still had the the um crazy post-it notes all over the wall. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, that uh, yeah, they murdered a TARDIS. I didn't like that. Destroyed a TARDIS. Let the Daleks in. Did she even ask the TARDIS if if they were okay with this? Like, hey, do you mind sacrificing yourself? Or, I doubt it. She <laughs> she didn't care. It was all part of the plan. Nuclear option. Yeah. Cleared out. So, hmm. what else? I don't know. I feel like we kind of covered everything. In the, yeah, I mean, as... we we had the Captain Jack moments, the Jack Robertson moments, um, Prime Minister moments, Leo moments. And then all the companion stuff. Um, and we kind of talked through a lot of that earlier. So I don't know that we necessarily need to dwell on the goodbye. Yeah. The, the the only other thing about Ryan and Graham is that the final farewell. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Is of them on Ryan still trying to learn a bike. And you already referred to it. Um, the moment where, where Ryan basically goes through the list of things that they've done. Um, well, she gives them the, she gives the psychic, them the paper. psychic paper, which it, another thing that I thought was kind of special and hard to come by, but apparently she can just pull it out of a drawer. Yeah. Two, two copies of it uh, to these guys. So now they have the psychic paper and then they're thinking, okay, well there's these, what were the things that they, there are two, the two things that they said came up in the news. Yeah. Uh, one second. Uh, some weird stuff going down in a village in Finland. Troll invasion, so the locals say. Um, then Graham says, yeah, I saw that. And you know there's a quarry in Korea that's shut down because the workers are reporting they saw gravel monster, or gravel creatures come to life. Um, so psychic paper, yeah, these will get us anywhere. Yeah, Finland, Korea, that's where they're going. Yeah, which honestly, I don't know how I feel. I, I felt like that whole final scene with them up on the hill on the bike. And I, I just felt like that was extra. I don't know that they needed that, that kind of scene, maybe just to make it feel like they didn't just leave to leave, but they're actually going to still do good and try to help, help earth. But I don't, I, it's kind of like, well, if you're going to go hunt down gravel monsters, then why didn't you just stick with the doctor? That's kind of what she does, you know? Yeah. I think, I think the whole point was Ryan, as he was leaving the TARDIS said, I feel like my planet needs me. 
Um, but it doesn't though. Like Ryan, what are you gonna do? <laughs> you're not. <laughs> doesn't it doesn't? Your basketball shot, you know, thing is not gonna be enough. <laughs> without the doctor, without Yaz, I mean, respect to Ryan, but he's not on his own. He's no, he's no Rose. You know, he's no, he's no Martha. You know, those they kind of became, you know, part of the defense of the earth and all of that. Um, he's not that guy. No, he's not that guy. But I did, I did appreciate, just because it really is like a summary of their adventures together. Um, when he says, I don't know if you heard about me, but I'm Ryan Sinclair. Me and me, and me mates. We saw off everything from giant spiders to a conscious universe. We fought Cybermen, Scythera, Morax, uh, the mighty Pating. It's going to take more than a bike to scare me off. Ain't that right, Granddad? I feel like that is possibly one of the better closing lines uh, that Ryan could have had before jumping back on his bike and getting pushed by his granddad down a hill. And then crashing again at the end. <laughs> crashing again. After they see Grace in the sun. That part was a little weird, but I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. A frog on a chair. Yeah, that's kind of what I was like. That's not even Grace. That's just that frog <laughs> kind of projecting itself. Like, hey, look, I'm still here. Um, <laughs> I can't think about That's the thing. They should have never done that frog no, thing. Because I can't have. see Grace in this eth- ethereal look of her and not think that that's the frog. Yep. So they ruined it for me. I agree. <laughs> but yeah, I could have done without that. Honestly, that whole mountaintop scene, I felt like they, they could have just cut that. I didn't need it, that. You have to end where it begins, right? Yeah, you have to I guess. where it begins. It's the book ends for them as companions. So yeah. So then that's it. That's the end of the episode. It ends with that with literally the show ends with Ryan wrecking his bike. <laughs> and and then it cuts to well at least in my version because i later on after me and you talked this didn't happen for you but it says stay tuned for the companion like reveal of the new companion and i was like i didn't know that was coming so i was like whoa that's kind of cool they're gonna show us you know the new companion i was kind of on the edge of my seat yeah not me not I, you i watched to the end of the credits and there was nothing because um, you bought just, it, right? You bought. I, it. Yeah, it it teaches me to actually buy an episode. I should have just streamed it somewhere. It's yeah, I watched it, so I I DVR'd it, you know, initially, because uh, I wasn't able to watch it live. I watched it later that night, and um, so on the live broadcast they showed that after you had to watch like a pre a long preview for some other show they've been promoting, and then um. I, then I watched it on the, the BBC America website, streamed it on that today. Okay. And they also showed it there at the end. So so both versions showed it that way. Um, but yeah, so we get this really short scene with initially a character shows up, and I think that he's the companion. <laughs> initially, he's <laughs> this guy talking about horoscope, and he's going through this stuff. And then they show a second character, and then that's really who the companion is. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Like It's a really short clip so there's not like a ton to talk about but but i guess we can kind of talk about our initial impressions of of this guy um they did the when they start the clip and the guy's reading the horoscope the the horoscope actually has some pretty key things so i thought it'd be fun to go through the list of what the guy said so he says go for it um surprises lie in store this year 
the color blue will be important, and the letter D. Your lucky number is 13. Be prepared for action, and whatever hurdles come your way, just remember it's not the end of the world. So, obviously his, his horoscope is pointing toward um, him being the companion. The one thing that I didn't get, and maybe I'm just not thinking of something obvious, is why is the letter D important? Doctor? Okay. That I mean, that was that's the only thought um, that I had, is that it just... The doctor. Okay, I get. I guess that's maybe probably it. I I thought everything else was like really obvious, and then that was the one that I was like, hmm, maybe that's the one they don't want us to know what that means yet. Like maybe there's, you know, something that they're dropping the D now, and then it'll pay off later on. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, is this horoscope for him as a character, or is it for us as the audience? So when it says surprises are in store. Or or whatever that is about or both surprises right because he's obviously reading the horoscope for the character right but like, right is it, but is, is it, it more of a message for us yeah. right so is is it like the character needs to prepare for surprises and then it's like oh yeah that that's basically whatever companion has to do with Doctor Who they're going to be surprised by everything or is that more for us as in stay tuned you don't have any clue what to expect from this next series um, they did do a, like a quick little like montage of like yeah. four shots of his face in different different scenarios but there wasn't anything notable other than the fact that one of the shots he was in a cage but the other ones were just different angles of his face with nothing notable in the background yeah <laughs> at least i didn't catch anything nope nope they've they basically isolated his face pretty darn well when they went so when it comes up uh it says john bishop I thought that was the character's name because I don't know who John Bishop is. <laughs> Not going to lie. I'm right there with you. And I was like, oh, that's it's a cool. It's just Dan. I was like, and I even turned to my wife and I was like, oh, Doctor Who always comes up with the coolest names. You know, <laughs> I was like, that's a cool companion name, John Bishop. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's the actor's name. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> that's his actual name. What's his, his, his name's probably going to be something like Ralph or something, something that's not nearly as cool. But um, sorry to any Ralphs out there. No, it, it it's literally Dan. That's his name. Oh, is the character's name Dan? They have revealed that. Yeah, his okay. his name is just Dan. Dan. I mean, he's gonna have a good last name at least, maybe. I I don't know. They're just calling him Dan. Okay, because it's it, gonna be Dan Dan the Diamond Man. <laughs> he, so I don't know. Initial impressions. You see this face. I don't know who he is. It's an actor. Um, I did obviously do a quick search to find out what he's been in. He hasn't been in anything I know. It sounds like he used to be an athlete. He has done a lot of hosting gigs. He's been in some reality TV stuff. He is a stand-up comedian, and he's done a few drama shows, but I don't think that's the big part of his resume. Um, but I guess popular. seems like people know who he is, in, at least in the UK. Yeah, I mean, I... No reference point for this guy whatsoever. Um, I've seen people referring to him as a pretty direct comparison to Graham. Um, yeah. Just background to the actor that played Graham. I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see what comes. When, uh, when you hear them interview um, Bradley Walsh about kind of – because they have had a couple little interviews with him about kind of why he left the show and stuff. And it sounded like he was just done with it. Like, it, yeah, 
he just kind of he maybe got into something that he was a little bit more than he was anticipating and was just like, okay, I put in my time. He seemed more than happy and more than ready to leave the show. So I almost wonder if the initial plan was that Ryan would leave and that Yaz and Graham would be the companions for a bit. And then, you know, Bradley was like, eh, I kind of want to go too. And then they're like, well, let's just cast somebody else that's kind of like him because we had already had these story ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Because it does seem like he has a very similar resume and he, you know, he doesn't really look like him, but, you know, he's an older white guy, gray hair. Like, he's not too dissimilar. Yeah. Um, the, definitely the more, part... he's definitely younger than than Bradley Walsh and, and I would say more classically handsome, but um, maybe a similar type of character. Yeah. The one thing is that in the intro video, he's he's loading up a work van, right? He's carrying buckets and stuff thrown in the back of what I would call a large white 15 passenger van, blue collar in nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, the working class, the, that is, that I think would be a slightly different direction than what we've had from Bradley Walsh's character from Graham. True. Um, I getting Graham was, very much grandfatherly less get get in there get your hands dirty i think if this character is working class blue collar get in there get your hands dirty it might be a pretty interesting dynamic to um jody whitaker's doctor if this guy's a go get him let's get work done um he might actually give yaz a run for her money in regards to jumping out and, and going at things like I, I picture this, uh, this guy is the type of guy who, who wants to throw down at a pub. Like yeah, he's I, watching football and something goes wrong and he's ready to throw down with the guy who's cheering for the wrong team. I could see that he's going to be maybe the muscle a bit. Yeah. He's going to be the one that maybe the doctor gets mad at a couple times because he goes a little too far or he punches right. somebody in the face, or maybe he's a fan of guns, you know, or like something that she's not going to like about him maybe he's got this kind of more abrasive personality more of a macho man kind of guy which definitely would be a departure from pretty much any character that we've had um travel with the doctor you know i'm trying to think if there's anybody that's no that's i mean the doctor like that even mickey's not really like that no uh, you rory had absolutely and, was not like that mickey and rory were both on the um more timid side of things um if you will i think if the route of like the blue cast working type the tackle anything type of personality it would be a dramatic departure from what we've seen from new who companions on the tardis maybe danny pink but he had his own he had his own hesitations right it's yeah. not that he wasn't capable, but he had previous trauma that he was working through and you definitely um, wouldn't other than his size you would definitely not re – I would never refer to him as like a macho kind of guy by any means. He was very much no. a modern man, um, yeah. modern sensibilities. Uh, I, I almost wonder if he, this guy's going to be a little bit more – and we're, we're, we're reading into a ton because they don't give us a lot. Uh, so we might <laughs> He's got to work, man. Completely wrong, but you know, I think maybe he will be kind of more that kind of man's man, stereotypical – um, like you said, getting in fights at pubs and stuff like that. So, And I, I yeah, think that I might be a fun – change you know for the show yeah it'll be interesting i'll uh i'm gonna withhold withhold passing immediate judgment 
on whether or not I'm down with this this move. Um, but it definitely blows out my theory in regards to Whitaker and Yaz traveling by themselves. I fully expected that to be the case as soon as the rumors came out of um, Graham and Ryan stepping away. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, they don't necessarily say when this guy's coming in. So, you know, we've seen companions kind of be introduced, but then they don't really show up in full until later. Yeah. You know, they've done that a lot, actually. Donna. Yeah, we could have a bride situation. Donna had her whole big break before she came back. Clara was introduced, you know, souffle, souffle girl, and came back later as the full companion. So maybe this guy, we get this tease now, but maybe he doesn't show up till like halfway through the season, for all we know. Oh, dang. Maybe um, he shows up episode one, and we don't actually see him until series, or all well, the series after. I don't know that, that they would do that. I feel like interesting. <laughs> it's almost like false advertisement when you say, hey, new companion, and then he doesn't actually show up during the season. <laughs> but new companion in 10 years. He's, um... You know, because he's coming in at what what arguably could be the last season for Jody Whitaker, so you would think that might mean a carryover companion too. That he might be the he might be a companion for the next Doctor. Yeah, because uh, you know, although we have had one season companions, it does happen. Uh, Bill Potts being an example, but if he's popular with fans, they he may be he may stick around for a couple years. So. Yeah, so I thought overall this episode had, I'm going to say overall I liked it. It, you know, it definitely had some negative stuff. I'm not a huge fan of Daleks and so on and so on. But I thought what they did with the companions and with her, I actually liked the little talk that she had with Ryan. You know, I didn't like that he was being so pouty, but I liked their back and forth. I like that she opened up to him about Gallifrey. That's something she hasn't really done with the characters that much. So there were some good character moments, and the goodbye did hit me. I know some people said in our in our group chat, um, people were saying they didn't feel anything, but I did. I actually felt I felt some emotion um, with the goodbyes. So I Look overall, it was a it was a. I wouldn't say it's like a great episode by any means, but I enjoyed it. Look at you. I, it wasn't a terrible episode. Um, I, I feel think like you're trying I'm, to give it a good rating. Did you not like this one? No, it's not that I didn't like it. It's, it's, I'm, I'm walking away from it with, um, a feeling of unfulfilled expectations and maybe my expectations are totally wrong. Um, but I, I am slightly confused, especially with all the news that are that's coming out in regards to last series, potentially last series for Whitaker next next series is her last, with the companion stepping away, with the new companion jumping in. I feel like there's a lot of activity with very little forward motion. Um, a lot of things have happened and a lot of things have changed, and yet I don't feel like the story's going anywhere. Um and and Maybe it was wrong of me to expect something about this episode to move the story forward, um, but it didn't. Was it a terrible episode? By no means. No, it wasn't a terrible episode. I feel like it was um, pretty much on bar. I don't think it was above bar in regards to story or quality, um, but it was pretty much what I would expect. Uh, I just wanted more from it. Um, 
And I think I'm just I I think I'm just confused in regards to what's coming in the future, and I think that's just coloring my perception of this episode. So, I did enjoy it. Um, sad to see the companions go. It was a good goodbye. They got to walk out on their own terms. Interested to see what the heck is going to happen with Yaz moving forward. Um, there's still something there that that doesn't quite sit well with me. Um, but hey, we'll see. We have until like October, right? Until we'll see this the the new series kick off. Um, I'll 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 be watching it. I'm still going to watch. So you bring up we'll a good point in. though, because I wasn't really thinking about that. With his little Doctor Who that's left with with Jodie Whittaker, once again, we're assuming that the rumors are true. That yeah, they don't really have kind of a mission that she's on or any kind of. You know, what is she, what is, what is she doing? You know, I think finding Gallifrey, like that's kind of, there, there isn't something outstanding that she needs to accomplish there, like that she's running toward. She seems kind of lost right now. And for them to really kind of come up with something that's going to really matter for the last eight episodes of the show, it's like she, they kind of, it's almost like they, what they did with the timeless child and the master and all of that. That's almost how you want a, a doctor's thing to end, you know? Yeah. That was a big deal. Those episodes were shocking. And that could have been a great way to end her run as the doctor. Like, maybe they should have saved that for season three. Because right now, it's kind of like, how do you even top that? Like, they literally rewrote the history of the doctor um, in season two. What is she going to do to kind of be the big finale for her character? So, yeah, yeah. That's, that is interesting. That's the only thing... I can think of um I'm trying I'm trying to find it um yeah so Ryan says so when we're done with this Dalek problem you find out about your own life confront the new or the old and then everything will be all right it's like I want to know what that means to for this version of the doctor for Whitaker to confront the new or the old like it feels like there's a nugget of of um of foreshadowing there for what might be coming next in her story, what might be coming in the next eight episodes. She's gonna confront the new or the old. But what does that really mean? I have no idea. Um, I don't know what comes next. The way that this episode ends, they're gonna go off and go to a place that serves meringue and the waiters are meringue, and they're just gonna go eat meringue. Um <laughs> really have no idea what comes next. And I think that's what's rubbing me the wrong way. Hmm. She's going to face the old Paul McGann. <laughs> Her it's face fun. will be old. Oh wait, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> or that could be a reference to uh, the fugitive doctor. Or... Hmm. Hmm. I mean, that, that might be what it's referring to, right? The old doctor being the fugitive doctor, maybe from this point forward, she tries to track down uh, the fugitive doctor to figure out what the heck that timeline is. Um, and maybe that's the entire eight episodes. She's searching for the fugitive. Um, yeah, I guess that would be, you know, maybe that is where they kind of gave us a little bit of a hint as to what's coming is what Ryan said to her and that she is, she's going to, she, there is still, I guess, more mystery around, you know, even though the master kind of revealed stuff to her, there's still a lot of unknown, a lot of questions around that. So maybe that is going to be the thrust of this next season is that she's going to be really trying to track down answers. And she says she's angry about that. 
you know, so yeah. maybe she's angry enough to go and really kind of, you know, seek out the truth, no matter what the cost kind of thing. She's going to go angrily ask politely. That could be if interesting. Has information. Yeah. yeah sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But can you tell me, you know, she, <laughs> she did, uh, we did have the sorry count. Uh, did she have did have a few count. of those this episode. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I could see that being an interesting way to go with it. So we'll, we'll have to stick around and see. We definitely will be excited, uh, excitedly waiting, I guess, until, until new, new doctor who comes out. Yep. But until then, um, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Bad Wolf Radio. Um, as always, you can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, and we would appreciate a review if you haven't left, left us a review before. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Bad Wolf Podcast. We actually had somebody tweet us the other day. They're like, what the heck, guys? Where's your episode? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, okay, we're recording. Um, so yeah, you can definitely reach out to us on Twitter and we all, we will probably reply. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Bad Wolf Radio. We also have our Facebook group, which is where we kind of reference some of the conversation that was going on. Um, we would welcome any of you that haven't joined that group yet and want to kind of jump into a smaller group of fans to kind of discuss Doctor Who and everything going on with that. Um, and you can always send us an email, badwolfpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. You know what? Stay safe. Stay safe out there. It's good, yeah. Someone's someone's waiting for you. Someone's waiting for you. Is that what the doctor says? Something like that. Stay strong. That's what she says. Stay, Stay strong. strong. Stay strong. You. Someone's waiting for you. <laughs> or and just remember it's not the end of the world. Yes, happy another way. And happy new year. <laughs>